Chapter 9 The Secret of the Sahara Kufara by Rosita Forbes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 Treachery at Hawari. In the afternoon, we left the dunes behind and emerged on flat, rolling country with broad sand waves ahead and the purple crags of the Neri running south in an irregular mass of peaks and square topped ridges with dark stretches of stones and lava in between the sand was now the color of mellow brick dust with occasional streaks of purplish red and scattered patches of stones of all colors like those i had picked up in busima some of the ground looked almost like mosaic work in blues mauves and reds hoping to arrive at hawari on the morrow the caravan moved briskly through the sunset when the land turned an ugly hot brown and the arching cliffs tore the orange sky with somber violet crests we barracked beneath the first big round sand wave from where we could see the dark gara of hawari a continuation of the gebel Neri and while we triumphed in our success as geographers the retinue developed a beautiful new panic they had heard that one man had left the bazama caravan at el harash and gone on to kufara abdullah suggested that he would have spread all kinds of libel about us and abdul ruhim grew pale beneath his ebony the pitiful thing was that mohammed had so completely lost his nerve that he too was terrified he had changed very much in the last week he no longer looked out upon the world with his old frank boyish glance his eyes wavered and fell he never laughed or sang these days i think that he was really the only imaginative and sensitive man in the party and therefore he alone had conjured up visions of what dying of thirst really meant also his reserved pride had been violently wounded by the attitude of busima though he would never acknowledge it unfortunately that morning he had seen the skeletons and drew on his vivid imagination for details and comparisons this completed his demoralization he joined with the guide and the soldiers in imploring us to go past Tawari by night and arrive at kufara proper before dawn so that by the time anyone woke up in taj we should be established in one of the sayed's houses presumably in a state of armed defense in vain we argued and protested they all foresaw a well-organized attack the moment the inhabitants of hawari perceived us to do use of justice he was the only one who declared that this was nonsense there may be robbers he said but how could they openly attack the sayed slaves we found an unexpected ally in him when sitting around the campfire we tried to instill a little courage into the retinue while at the same time insisting on staying in Hawari. It had been an exceedingly hot day, and feet had blistered anew, which perhaps accounted for the mental depression. Yusuf was our most reliable barometer when he discarded the fleece-lined waterproof and strode along in his fluttering white shirt and skull-cap as he had done that afternoon. We knew it must be almost torrid i never saw mohammed walk without my plaid rug wound over the top of the torn woolly waterproof january eleventh i saw the sun rise from the top of the immense dune that had guarded our slumbers the dull sand turned slowly pink as the purple cliffs of the gebel Neri came into view in low irregular masses to the south 
while a little to the east of them appeared the solitary black rock of the Hawarigara. It looked at least a day's journey away. Abdullah said we should reach it by midday. As we marched toward it, I tried to draw out more tales of the desolate mountain on our right, for I was intrigued by the description of the sounds heard therein, a noise of birds. Horniman, the first modern writer to speak of the Tebu Oasis, says that the people of Aujela described the speech of the inhabitants as like unto the whistling of birds. Curiously enough, the Tebu women I met had extraordinarily high-pitched, sweet voices, which sounded rather like clear warbling. Moraja and Abdul Hafiz both volunteered the information that footprints had been seen near the haunted Gebel. Footprints of what? I asked. Well, they are like snakes, they replied. The anticlimax was too great. I could not bear my gin or prehistoric savage to turn into a serpent. After two hours, we left the pink sands and passed into the waste of stony ridges and small hills on the outskirts of the mountains. The colors were quite extraordinary. Occasional banks of vivid vermilion lay between patches of loose black stone, with here and there scattered blocks of gray, rose and mauve at the foot of the smaller cliffs. All around us, the basis of the sand was fawnish red, and as the stones grew thicker, we found odd hollow tubes and balls, heavy and black, but filled with sand. The largest balls measured more than a foot across, the smallest about an inch. The blacks were delighted with these new toys and broke open the solid ones to see the sand run out, after which they used them as cups and candlesticks. I have never seen the formation before and did not know what it was. We passed the Hawari Gara at noon. It does not stand out particularly from the rest of the Gebel Miri, as it is but one cliff among many in the neighborhood. But a few hundred yards beyond, the ridges of stones and red sand rise sufficiently to allow one to look, as it were, over their edge on the country of paler sand beyond. Here reigned our old enemy, the Mirage, so it was difficult at first to distinguish the false from the true. On the far horizon loomed the purple hills of the Kufaragara. Somewhere beyond those peaks and cliffs lay the mysterious, elusive oasis that was so near and yet always just beyond our reach. Up till that moment we had considered Hawari as a part of Kufara, but Yusuf, pointing joyfully to a pale sand wave just before the distant hills, said, Do you see the white sand? Before we come to that, below it are the palms of Hawari, but Kufara is bad beyond the Gebel. For a couple of hours we straggled across uneven country, dotted with rare patches of stones and mounds, with ever more and more tantalizing points appearing to the south, till we wondered if the mountains ever ended. Nobody waits for anyone else in the desert. Everyone walks at his own favorite pace. If you cannot keep up, you drop behind and your companion does not stop to ask the reason. If you pause to shake the sand from a shoe, he does not halt with you. It is against the custom, unless you are ill. The Bedouins often speak of the long, waterless routes as the roads where we do not wait for a dying man. An hour for a camel, two for an Arab, then we leave them. At last, a stronger sand wave than most gave us a sudden, perfect view of Hawari, 
a long very narrow strip of palms running for about twelve kilometers very nearly north and south with two little isolated groups of palms at the southern end all around it lay a band of very red sand broken into thousands of small mounds of hatab the little dry sticks we had seen before a third naga started to full, but we ruthlessly left her to the care of Abdul Hafiz and pressed on, so that we entered the oasis at 3 p.m. Against the wallflower sands, the thick, low-growing, heavy-foliaged palms looked almost gray. There were few tall ones, so it was easy to cut great clusters of yellow dates, which were very sweet and tasted of honey. I did not like them very much. The retinue began to panic frantically, chiefly because a group of blacks we passed cutting dates amidst a picturesque circle of goats and blue-robed women asked, Where's the caravan with the Christian? The Bazamas sent news of it. We went straight across the southern end of the oasis to the palm gardens of the Sayed, which were well kept in excellent order with neat leaf fences, many wells, rows of newly planted young palms and continuous patches of vegetables brightest green amidst the monotonous brick-red sands the whole of this portion of the oasis was inhabited by the sayed slaves and we saw numbers of blacks men women and children working in the gardens or driving small pale gray donkeys laden with dates we camped on the edge of the village, and Abdul Rahim nearly had a fit when he saw me wander off to photograph the houses, gleaming white between the palms. He ran after me, almost foaming with terror. The general state of nerves was beginning to get boring. The houses of Hawari are almost like European buildings. They are exceedingly well constructed of sand bricks in regular lines, square, solid, flat-roofed with windows, but many of the yards have quite low walls, all of which are neatly coped. We had scarcely put up the tent when the sheik of the Zawiya, Musa Squarin, arrived to inquire our business. He was soon followed by the leading Zawiya headmen, among them Musa Garabil and Mansur Bubadar of the Gabal. Soon a circle of a dozen were sitting around our hastily built zariba while Mohammed's faithful follower, Omar, hurriedly made coffee. The tribesmen were slightly depressed at first, and we wondered if it had anything to do with our arrival, until it appeared that one man had made a bad bargain in buying slaves from a Wadai caravan a few days before. He had paid 400 mejidis, about 70 pounds, for a man and two women, and now the man was very ill. It was bad business, he said sadly. They all repeated the same formula. The Sayed's orders are above our heads, and adding that our visit was welcome, saying, Your coming is a blessing. May Allah bless our Sayed's and those who come from them. Yet Abdul Rahim started the rumor that night that we were prisoners and were not to be allowed to move till permission arrived from Kufara. We were too sleepy to inquire into the truth, but the following morning gifts of sour leaven and milk arrived, together with a couple of chickens, so we thought that probably the Zuyas, while paying all honor to the Sayed's guests, were anxious to show how impossible it was for strangers to penetrate their well-guarded borders. Yusuf and Mohammed implored us not to move from the camp, which they had pitched in an unsheltered, torridly hot and fly-ridden spot to avoid robbers in the palm groves. 
wait till the big men come to see us they said then you can walk with safety this was palpably an excuse for hawari is only a little village suffering from its nearness to a big centre the whole life of the country depends on the town beyond the mountains the big sheiks in ekwan live in joff and taj in clapham or tooting one does not expect to find ministers of the crown so in hawari everyone says there is nothing here all things come from kufara the important sheik of the place bushnaf was at the moment in joff for this reason we had sent on abdullah as a herald of our coming to present our credentials to sidi idris's wakil and to prepare a dwelling for us in taj that morning we overate on eggs dates fresh bread made with yeast oh but it tasted good and goat's milk then when hassanine lazed he called it absorbing the spirit of the desert i hid two kodaks in the folds of my voluminous barakan veiled my own unfortunately white skin and went off to explore the town the corporal and the largest farage offered to escort me but they were not happy till they realized how little interest we aroused we saw many well-kept gardens wherein grew vegetables peaches barley thorn-tree figs in each of them were one or two sudanese working the primitive wells sometimes with the aid of delightful little grey donkeys the cleanest things i had seen in libya we walked all through the village encountering no opposition but of subjects for photographs there were few the big square houses with their complicated yards and outbuildings were dotted here and there among the scattered palms or over the broad bare spaces of sand there were no winding streets or passages as in jalo and aujela a small insignificant mosque a low square building with a row of windows a little zawiya established by the great city el mahdi with a quaba that looked rather like a horse trough with an upright stone at each end a former muzzine of the zawiya made a group at one end of the village we climbed one of the vermilion dunes half covered with the feathery gray bushes we had first met at el atash in order to get a better view for a photograph but the scattered houses were too far away on our return we passed one or two buildings with mud porticos whose arches could be seen above the walls of their yards some women came out to talk to me in high clear voices they were practically unveiled and wore straight dark red tobes unbelted so that they made an attractive group under a large thorn tree between high sand walls one and all they asked for medicine and when i returned to my fly-filled tent a group gradually gathered outside with various tales of woe the most important entered and sat uncomfortably on my folding bed from which they soon slipped thankfully to their accustomed crouched-up position on the sand my treatments were simple consisting chiefly of boracic powder and quinine but the recipients tied the pills carefully into the corners of their barracons and departed with blessings suddenly a blaze of color obstructed the view beyond my tent flap the smallest of the gray donkeys almost covered with a gorgeous striped mat of reds and blues and still further obscured by the voluminous draperies of a small huddled figure in the vividest scarlet i have ever seen was led up by a tiny urchin in a tattered white shirt while another beat from behind the mother of sheikh musa has come to visit you announced one of the farages 
the flaming folds disengaged themselves trailed into the tent and crumbled into a red heap on the sand from which emerged the oldest frailest arab woman i have ever met she was bent and wrinkled beyond belief toothless and almost blind yet she carried on an interested conversation about the sayeds and finally offered me a moslem rosary blessed by sidi el mahdi as the heat was terrific i was glad when the visit came to an end and only wish we had fixed our departure for that afternoon instead of for the next morning Hassanine suggested our wandering down to the other end of the oasis where there is another small village hawawiri we borrowed a donkey from the reluctant sheik el zawiya who told us that we should be killed before we were out of sight of the balad and called for a guide to show us the way at that moment there were a half a dozen zuias seated around our zariba but none of them moved i began to understand the sufferings of rolfs when i looked at the cruel anemic faces of these arabs brave they may be but they had not the keen fierce looks of the warrior bedouin they had small cunning eyes that shifted restlessly long mean faces with thin lips and generally a fretful scowl between the brows the zuias are known as a bad tribe and these people certainly looked untrustworthy to the last degree when we offered a bribe of tea and sugar one of them got up to accompany us but none of the soldiers would come moraja and abdul rahim hid in their tent and yusuf said he was lame we were just starting off alone when mohammed sprang up and slung on his gun they are a pair of eagles he exclaimed i will not be less brave than they after we had gone a few hundred yards there was a soft thud thudding in the sand behind and the big farage who had become our sort of personal slave together with the corporal silently joined us our progress however was almost instantly stopped by a band of young men and boys rushing wildly after us do not walk do not walk they yelled and pointed to a large group of white-clad arabs marching rapidly towards us we turned to meet them for god's sake do not go said mohammed there is bad work here i do not understand it let us go back to the camp he followed gamely however the arabs were all armed and they looked very angry for they were gesticulating and talking in loud voices i always wore my revolvers underneath my hezam i managed to get them out under the folds of my barakan and wondered with an odd fierce pleasure how many shots i could get in the corporal pretended to busy himself with the donkey but our farage came on his rifle ready the zuias surrounded us a wild threatening group you shall not move from here till orders come from joff they shouted we have been warned about you we know no stranger shall come into our country they die quickly here hassanine suddenly had one of his inspirations you wish to show that you are brave and will defend your country to the last but you should behave thus to strangers not to the guests of the sayed he said angrily they were puzzled they expected us to be frightened and impressed instead we were angrier than they if you can make an arab talk he generally forgets to fire while loudly arguing we led the way to the camp and soon there was a large megla seated outside our tent some tabus joined the zuyas they were coal-black like the sudani slaves but with more refined and intelligent faces most of them do not talk arabic 
but their headman explained the situation to them and to our surprise they ranged themselves on our side the guests of the said are welcome to our country they said the zuyas headed by bubader were angrier than ever why does not a messenger come from joff they asked sidi abdullah went last night and he promised to send back news we told him you should not follow until permission came we looked blankly at each other we had not told the guide to send back a messenger and he had breathed no word to us of such intention nor of his tribesmen's threats it is a plot i said grimly yes but where why murmured hassanine vaguely mohammed leaned forward triumphantly his eyes shone his voice was strong i think in that moment he recovered his self-respect and we are old ally i understand it all he cried wallahi i will never stroke my beard again till i have settled with abdullah who has betrayed us you men of hawari you are fools and you have insulted the sayed's guests because you were like the foolish woman in the souk who buys the first thing that is offered to her he whispered hassanayn in arabic too rapid for my comprehension by allah hear and believe for i speak the truth shouted the latter above the babble of angry voices even sheikh zarug of the huaj ceased from exclaiming that if no messenger came from joff on the morrow the zuyus would know that we had deceived them and it would go hard with us you get no news here and you believe the first comer continued hassanayn abdullah told you that you must prove to the strangers that you are brave and strong lest they think that anyone can enter your country easily is it not so they acknowledged uneasily some even with crooked smiles that this was the case then they remembered the point which changed a bluff meant to impress strangers into a grim reality abdullah was to send back a messenger if the ekwan approved of your letter and would receive you it is a short journey and none has come at these words smiles vanished and the pale cruel faces grew more cunning and suspicious the tabus grouped themselves behind us it might be a good battle i thought and i wondered if the zuya rifles were modern a fight is always stimulating and not like that awful helpless day of thirst when one could not war with nature of course no messenger has come said hassanine triumphantly and none will you had been fooled and so have we to-morrow you would have prevented our going there would have been a fight you are brave but so are the slaves of the sayed perhaps his guests would have been killed and abdullah would have been saved do you know why then followed the story of the guide who had lost his head and his reputation at the same time and i suddenly grasped abdullah's neat little plot if none of the caravan returned to jedabia or even if the two strangers chief witnesses against him disappeared he would be saved he knew full well that no one would employ him as a guide after the story of his tizerbo mistake became known his future depended on our lips being sealed his best chance lay amongst his suspicious zuya kinsmen always distrustful of strangers fanatical and warlike yet the caravan could not be attacked while he was with it therefore he suggested going to prepare the way for us at taj when we agreed it was easy to arouse the amour propre and suspicions of the hawari zuyas show your courage by not letting these doubtful strangers cross the borders of your land 
if their story is true and the sheiks of joff will receive them i will send back a messenger he had never the slightest intention of dispatching anyone to rescue us from the ever-growing hostility at hawari and he calculated that in a day or two we should make an attempt to escape and be promptly fired upon the blacks would be obliged to defend us and after the general carnage the story of his failure would be buried with the slain mohammed having discovered the plot hassanine rose nobly to the occasion his words poured forth with all the subtle rhetoric that sways the bedouin mind and when their brains were steeped in this river of speech he suddenly flung down sidi idris's letter do you wait for orders from joff when your sayed sends us here is this the insult that you pay him when he trusted you to help his guests there was an uncomfortable pause the shifty eyes of the circle would not meet ours sheikh saad the fecky of the town who had been the spokesman against us murmured incoherent words mansur Burbadr sent it hastily for a sheep the group began to split into twos and threes a party was forming in our favor musa garabil exclaimed he is speaking the truth we have made a mistake for at least an hour arguments ranged on every side but we ignored them and planned low-voiced revenge with mohammed in the tent it was delightful to see how the man had taken hold again wallahi he repeated five times running may i never see my wife again if abdullah does not get his reward from the said from the pleasant task of plotting the guide's downfall we were summoned by a smiling yusuf your words are flames he said to hassanine the people are feeling very foolish and they regret what they have done i felt it was hassanine's triumph so i left him to receive the apologies of the zuias with condescending coldness but even this did not content them musa garabil and bubadr insisted on wishing me personally a good journey on the morrow i shall be glad to rest in the house of sidi idris i said coldly he told me it would be an easy journey but i think he has been mistaken the zuias were silent yusuf told me afterward that abdullah had insisted that the caravan was to follow him to joff the next day without waiting for any news from kufara to make things quite certain he had told the men of hawari that we were looking for gold in the mountains and would return with an army to conquer the land and take the treasure it contained when it was dark the slave girls zainab and hawa crept into my tent we thought we should all die today but now we are happy the people are bad here but we have been saved they said our greatest triumph however was the moment when a very meek zuya deputation woke us up to ask us if we would care to go to hawawiri on our way to kafaro on the morrow they dared not approach the tent themselves so sent yusuf to offer their olive branch End of chapter nine